Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham back with you again after a long weekend. I hope everybody enjoyed their Memorial Day weekend. Uh, again, just want to uh, stop, take a moment, remember all of those who have died in service to our country, uh, to them and their families. We wish, uh, we salute, and we wish for the continued safety of our nation. It is just after 3 o'clock, about 3.10 right now here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Like I said, a long weekend. Hope everybody enjoyed it. I uh, hope you were able to get out, uh, get on the barbecue pit or get on the grill yesterday and get something done out there. I did not get a chance to barbecue like I was hoping to, but I did kind of tweak a, a recipe of mine. I did the whole self-grinding of meat and everything and came up with my own kind of hamburger mix. Uh, two to one beef to pork used a chuck roast and some pork shoulder to make a really fantastic mix for some burgers. Cooked those yesterday. Uh, stuffed the burgers with some Gouda cheese. Grilled those so a good smoky yet cheesy flavor in that. I hope you guys were able to get out uh, some ribs, whatever you wanted to cook yesterday, and just enjoy the long weekend and a day off with your family. 232 1542. We cannot start the show without congratulating our Raging Cajuns baseball team for a fantastic and thrilling win over Georgia Southern this weekend. That was one heck of a game to watch. I don't know if you watched it or if you listened to it right here on uh, News Talk 965 KPL, but it was a thrilling game and uh, cannot wait to see the Cajuns baseball team compete in College Station. Very excited to see that. And as a special programming note, tomorrow... Uh, the chairman of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, a longtime friend of mine, Doug Ireland, will be joining us on the air at the beginning of the show to talk about what is happening this month concerning Raging Cajuns baseball as well. Legendary Cajuns coach uh, Tony Robichaux is being inducted posthumously into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, and we will uh, talk about that tomorrow, just talk about uh, what it means for Louisiana uh, to have this great sports Hall of Fame, what it means uh, for this contribution to the Hall of Fame, uh, and just for the legacy that Coach Robichaux leaves behind here. He is the winningest coach, winningest baseball coach in Louisiana history as he's being inducted. So we will have that conversation here tomorrow on the Joe Cunningham Show starting around 3 o'clock. So be sure that you're tuned in for that. All right. So I want to jump into the national. I only have I went long there. I only have a few minutes before we have to go to the break. But I, I want to ask a question. I want to get into the question more after the break. Who is the president right now? This isn't some comment on the stolen election stuff. This isn't a comment on, is Joe Biden too feeble-minded? Is somebody else running the show? This is a legitimate question asking who is really in charge of our government right now. NBC News has a report that came out today, and it details a lot of chaos within the White House. But, the White House. but what, what really stands out to me, what really stands out, is this paragraph right here. There's so much in the story to break down. We'll break down some of it after the break, but I want to focus on this right here. Beyond policy, Biden is unhappy 
about a pattern that has developed inside the West Wing. He makes a clear and succinct statement, only to have aides rush to explain that he actually meant something else. The so-called cleanup campaign, he has told advisors, undermines him and smothers the authenticity that fueled his rise. Worse, it feeds a Republican talking point that he is not fully in command. The issue came to a head when Biden ad-libbed during a speech in Poland that Russia President Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power. Within minutes, Biden's aides tried to walk back his comments saying he hadn't called for Putin's removal and that U.S. policy was unchanged. Biden was furious that his remarks were being seen as unreliable, arguing that he speaks genuinely and reminding his staff that he's the one who's president. Biden's White House is undermining him. Now, that's not to say that Joe Biden isn't undermining himself when he ad libs, when he goes off script, when he makes these crazy statements, when he does things that really do seem feeble minded at best. But the White House is undercutting its boss. It's undercutting the face of the administration and doing so publicly. That raises a lot of questions. I want to talk about those questions after this break. 232-1542 here on The Joe Cunningham Show. If you want to call in and be part of the conversation, we're going to take this break and we will be back to talk about this and more here on The Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Just a brief note, told you about one accident at the top of the hour in Broussard. Also have another one showing up on the board uh, on Coolidge near uh, Oxner uh, Medical Center. So please uh, be careful out there. The traffic, of course, being in the afternoon is going to be a little bit tougher right now. Please uh, keep an eye out, especially looking at the radar. Some uh, clouds and some weather moving in. Be careful out there. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Who's in charge of the White House? That's the question I would like to know the answer to right now. Biden is unhappy with his staff. They are undercutting him. They are going and walking back statements that he makes. Then there's something else. Nobody in the White House can get their story straight right now. I want to read this clip from the NBC News article that I was talking about earlier. At a meeting with advisors about a month ago, Biden was surprised to see polling that indicated he had dropped among suburban women. According to two people familiar with the meeting, an advisor said Biden gets weekly polling briefings that delve into key demographics and that because he is kept apprised regularly, he didn't have that reaction. At a news conference in September, Biden says flatly, I don't look at the polls. Not a joke. So there's three stories in Three sentences here. At a meeting with advisors a month ago, Biden was surprised to see polling that indicated he had dropped among suburban women. Another advisor says that Biden gets weekly polling briefing, so he wasn't surprised. And Biden himself said at a press conference, he doesn't look at the polls. So which is it? Is he getting these briefings? Is he not getting the briefings? Is he not looking at the polls at all? I find it very difficult to believe Biden's not looking at polls. I think at the news conference when he said that he doesn't look at the polls, I think that's a straight up fabrication. I think Biden's looking at the polls. How else is his White House responding? How else is Biden showing all this concern? How is he aware that there's concern to show? He has to be looking at the polls. His, his administration is chasing all the news stories. But here's the thing. Biden is being undercut. 
he is he's saying stuff publicly. The, his administration officials walk in behind him and, and clean up the statements. He, but he's being kept on a tight leash. He's not being allowed to make public statements. He's rarely allowed to speak freely. So who's actually in charge here? Who's actually in charge? Ron Klain, the chief of staff, should be kind of the president's key handler here. But Klain has done a horrible job of that. And in fact, the rumors are he's going to be out after the midterms. He should have been out months ago. Klain has taken to retweeting reporters that write favorable stories on Twitter rather than actually being a chief of staff. And if all this dysfunction that's being described in this NBC News article is true, then Klain's not doing a good job. We know Kamala Harris is not really in charge here because her office and the White House aren't talking. In fact, there's a similar uh, report signaling unhappiness in the White House. Uh, so we know that Kamala Harris's people have been uh, have been claiming racism. That's why the White House isn't giving Kamala Harris these better roles. They are basically sidelining her. It's all racism, this racism, that. Uh, from Politico, at least 21 black staffers have left the White House since late last year or are planning to leave soon. Some of those who remain say it's no wonder why. They describe a work environment with little support from their superiors and fewer chances for promotion. Now, this is focusing on the racial aspect, but pay attention to this line. They describe a work environment with little support from their superiors. There is, in the Biden administration, a group of of staffers, a group of people in the Biden administration, and they apparently are keeping to themselves. They're trying to run the show and they're not giving their subordinates a whole lot of help or instruction or anything like that. Who is the president? I have a theory, and it's a theory that Politico actually gives us back in March. Elizabeth Warren's expanding network in the upper echelons of the administration, Politico writes, includes protégés who helped execute her aggressive oversight of big banks and other corporations, as well as friends who share her views of the risks looming on Wall Street. The Warren recruits mark a victory for the progressive movement, which has supported her years-long personnel is policy campaign to chip away at the dominance of corporate insiders in setting policy for the Democrats. Elizabeth Warren is getting her people into the Biden administration. And I bet it's not just her. When Biden got the nomination, he had to do a lot of reaching across to the more progressive side of the Democratic base. And a lot of those progressive politicians. I'm willing to bet it's not just Elizabeth Warren's people that are in the White House right now. It's a bunch of progressive politicians, acolytes, who were in there pushing progressive agendas. Biden himself is a progressive. I'm not saying he's some centrist who is letting the progressives sway him. He is of the left. But he ran on a campaign of moderation and is now bringing a bunch of progressives in to help run the show. And in fact, they are subverting him and they're running the show themselves. They're running their vision rather than his. That's not to absolve Biden of everything because it, he is, the buck stops with him. A lot of these are his ideas, but a lot of them are ideas that were fed to him from Ron Klain and these progressives. Biden's not in charge of his presidency. People loyal to Elizabeth Warren and the other super progressive politicians in D.C. are. 
And that is where the problem is coming in for Joe Biden. He's not in control. And I think he's starting to realize it. He's ad-libbing a little bit more. He made the Putin comment. He made uh, the Taiwan comment uh, a week or two ago. He's making these statements in an effort to basically say, these are my policies. I'm still the guy in charge. I'm ad-libbing. I'm saying where my views are because my White House isn't letting me. But Biden's not in charge, which leads you again to wonder, is he running for re-election? And if not, who is his successor? Because anybody currently working for the White House or supporting his policies right now, they can't be it. Because it's all these policies that are ruining the Democrats' chances in this midterm. And without any sort of recovery between now and 2024, it will probably be a slow recovery. The Democrats are looking at losing the White House in 2024 as well. McConnell, Mitch McConnell is already out there saying, my party's chances look pretty good. We know the Republicans are going to take back the House and probably will take the Senate this November. But what will the Democrats be able to do to counter that two years later in a presidential election? If Biden doesn't run, who's the successor? I don't know that we have anybody. 232-1542. We've got a couple callers on the line. We got time for one. Let's go to Warren. Warren, how are you today? Hey, Joe. How's it going, man? I'm making it. How about you? All right. Let me tell you what's going on. That's Barack Obama in charge. You know, when Paul Revere went from town to town hollering, the British are coming, the British are coming. The last six years I've been getting hung up on because I've been hollering, the Muslims are coming. And Barack Obama and Joe Biden let them in from Afghanistan. And what's going on here is you've got demon driven demon possessed human beings and the old saying is those devils eventually are going to turn on each other and that's what you're seeing you know there is there is a great amount of evil that is that we are seeing i mean we look at what happened last week in texas we look elsewhere we are seeing these acts of evil we are seeing evil that is really really uh, affecting the country in a very negative way. And, and what my concern is right now is that when you look at Washington's solutions for this, they don't address the actual problems. You know, I wrote about this uh, yesterday at Red State on my Substack, kitchenpundit.substack.com, if you want to sign up and get those emails. We're not addressing the greatest threat to our children and to the country. The mental health issue. That's the problem right now. And Biden is coming out and Biden at his press secretary today comes out and says, I mean, this is just a little while ago, that Biden doesn't believe in increasing security measures at schools. And the Biden administration and the Democrats are looking at ways to seize guns rather than focus on the mental health aspect. We have new video that leaked today. I want to talk about this after the break. We have new video that shows just how deranged this shooter was. I want to talk about that and more. We've also got your calls on the line, 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the conversation. Uh, so I want to... I, I want to mention this story because it, it plays into what I've been talking about for a week now. But at the same time, I'm, I, if you've got kids listening, please, I'm going to give you, I'm going to count down from five. 
uh, just to give you a chance to turn this down because the next is, is going to be a little bit disturbing and, and kids might not want to hear what I'm about to say. Five, four, three, two, one. If any of your kids are disturbed by this next segment, I gave you a warning. I gave you a countdown. Disturbing new video obtained by the New York Post shows the Robb Elementary School shooter in Uvalde, Texas, grinning as he holds up a bag of blood-soaked dead cats. The 18-year-old gunman is seen smiling in the updated footage in the undated footage while sitting in the passenger seat of a pal's car, holding up a clear plastic bag with at least two bloodied cats visible inside. I've been telling you, since this shooting occurred, the biggest threat to our children in the country is not guns. It's not even the lack of security that's now readily apparent at Rob Elementary High School, at Rob Elementary School. The biggest threat to our children is a mental health epidemic. There are now several red flags that should have been raised. Well, we, there were several red flags that people should have picked up on. He was known to cut up his own face. Now, this video, this unearthed video of him, somebody was in the car with him. Somebody took the video. He's holding this bag of dead cats. He was known to ride around and shoot BB guns at people. There were several domestic incidents at his home with his mother that police were called to. There's more. There, there are more events. That we detailed these. This kid clearly had something going on. And the response from Washington, D.C., including some Republicans like our own Bill Cassidy, is to say, you know what? We need to sit down and talk about guns. Guns did not cause this kid to lose his mind and shoot up in elementary school. Guns did not create a lack of security at Robb Elementary School. Guns did not keep police from entering the building for an hour and a half to take down the shooter. For that last one, some of the police are saying, well, they, they, they would have been in harm's way. There are 21 people who were in harm's way, who had no guns and no means of defense, and the police did nothing. That's not on assault rifles. That's not on AR-15s. That's not on any sort of firearms. That's not on the Second Amendment. That's not on the NRA. That's not on gun owners in Texas and around the country. What happened last week is the result of mental illness, a mental health crisis that is affecting so many of our children. I work in the school system. I have friends and family in the school system. There are far more than you would think children who are having some severe issues right now 
not saying they're all crazy, but they are under so much mental strain. You have kids more than I think I've ever heard before. You have kids who are having to take time off of school, who are having to be hospitalized, who are having to seek out therapists to help them get through the problems that they are having in their lives right now. You can read more about this video. We're not going to show the video. It's at redstate.com, unearthed video of Uvalde mass shooter raises red, every red flag imaginable by my colleague Bonchi. You can read that. You can, you can understand the level of mental instability this shooter had. And you realize this is not a conversation about guns. This is a conversation about mental health. But the Biden administration, Biden in particular, is focused on the wrong thing. Biden in several public addresses has said the Second Amendment was never absolute. He also falsely says that, under, that even under the Second Amendment, you couldn't buy a cannon. That's false. You couldn't can buy a cannon. The founders never intended anybody to buy it. Yeah, they, they never said you couldn't. You could always buy a cannon, even, uh, even if the founders thought you didn't deserve it. The point is, you have the right to a firearm. It's explicitly stated in the Constitution. But Biden defends... The Roe versus Wade decision based on the 14th Amendment, despite the fact that Roe versus Wade was uh, derived on the periphery of a right to privacy that isn't explicitly stated in the Constitution. Based on the 14th Amendment, Roe versus Wade barely doesn't even really touch the 14th Amendment. But Biden will defend the right to an abortion, which is never explicitly stated in the Constitution, and, de and decry anybody who says that uh, the right to abortion should, uh, in Roe versus Wade should be overturned based on the Fourth Amendment. But where it explicitly says you have the right to own a firearm, that was never absolute. It's because the priorities are screwed up. We're more concerned about guns than we are about the mental health crisis that leads to somebody picking one up and shooting up an elementary school. And the more we keep ignoring that, the worse the environment is actually going to be for our kids because it doesn't matter how many guns you own or don't own. It doesn't matter how many you take away. Columbine happened during an assault rifle ban in the United States. And after it happened, the Clinton administration tried to limit the sale of shotguns and handguns. Right now, Canada is banning the sale, transfer, and importation of handguns into Canada based on this shooting. Despite the fact that it's not going to make a difference. What the gun debate misses, a piece that is at National Review Online by Kevin Williamson, a brilliant writer. I, I just want to read this one thing that he writes before we go to a break. I, want, I begin with what seems to be a mystifying paradox at the center of our gun control efforts, Williamson writes. We only want to enforce the law on law-abiding citizens while we ignore the lawbreakers almost entirely in our gun control debate. 
That's why things are so screwed up in this. 232-1542. I know we've got a call on the line. Caller, hang on. We're going to get to you right after the break. That and a little bit more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation, we've got a caller on the line. Renee. Renee, how are you today? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm glad I'm glad y'all let me talk. Uh I got well, I'm going to stick to California. I, I think one of the biggest threats to North America is California. You have the headquarters of the Communist Party is located there. I'm sure it did a lot to some people there. Because of World War II, the homosexual population is very concentrated there. And then every time we look at the news, it's either a ruling starts in California or Disney, which is headquarters in California, or the Silicon Valley or Hollywood. It's just the woke industrial complex got too many assets in California. And then when it gets too woke, the population immigrate everywhere else and bring their wokeness. So California in itself, I don't know what's the percentage, is pretty much a big threat and influence, and it's very populous on all of North America. See, that's, that is an interesting point. And, and one of the things about California, there, there's, there's two parts of California that, that make it so uh, central to the to uh, the cultural changes of the U.S. First of all, it's a coastal state, and the media is concentrated on the coastal uh, lanes of the country. So anything that happens along the coast, either side, particularly the northeast coast and the California coast, the media pays attention to because it's housed in those locations. They care about these big urban areas along the coast because they think that represents the country because it's within their own bubble. So there's a hyper-focus on that, but there's also the fact that you're right a lot of these major court cases end up in the courts in California. Now, why is that? It's because progressives like to shop around for courts. And the most liberal courts in the country are in Washington, D.C. and in California. And so... May I add something? Yeah. We went from, I believe Nixon was from California and Ronald Reagan to Koala Harris. How bad of a measurement of how things are going to get... No, that's absolutely correct. And the thing about it is now, now he, there is a glimmer of hope because I've, I've got friends, including my colleagues at Red State, of, of several of whom are actually in California and actually in Republican parts of California. If you've listened to the Dan Bongino show, you've heard my friend and my colleague Kira Davis fill in for Dan a couple times. Kira is actually a concerned parent who is also running for a school board in California. One of the school boards there is basically undergoing a revolution. We're actually seeing it across the country. There are parents that are rising up, even in California, to put Republicans on school boards because the Republicans are more sympathetic to parents' arguments in schools. There's also the fact that at least one congressional race in California has gone from likely Democrat to lean Democrat, which still favors the Democrat. But in a deep blue area, when races are slowly becoming more favorable to the Republicans, that's a bad sign for the Democrats. Renee, thank you very much for the call. Glad you called in. But this is one of the things that we really do need to pay attention to. California actually came pretty close. I mean, not if you look at the numbers, not very close, but still came pretty close to ousting Gavin Newsom, its governor, in favor of Larry Elder, some other Republican. There is a movement, even in California, which is driving more Republican voters out and driving more people to the right 
of the political aisle because the Democrats have so badly misread what the American people want. Even in, think about that, even in deep blue California, you are seeing some trends toward the Republican Party. That's big. That is huge. And that's why things look so bad for the Democrats in the midterms, because the Democrats have overplayed their majorities. They think they have some mandate from heaven saying we need to go all in and we need to really bring the progressive agenda to the American people because we are for the working class. We are for what the American people want. And here's the problem. Every policy the Democrats say the American people support actually shows up in the polling. If you go out and poll right now, hey, do you think we need some more restrictions on guns in this country? You'll get a majority saying, yes, we do. Especially in the wake of a shooting like Uvalde, Texas. But then you do a poll and you poll the specific gun control measures the Democrats want. Do you support a national gun registry? Do you support universal background checks? Do you support seizing weapons? Do you support a ban on certain guns? And all of a sudden, support for those drops below the 50% margin. Do you believe that we need to support our public schools and our, our education system? Absolutely, yes. I would love that. I would love gun restrictions. I would love a cookie. But when you poll the act, do we, we need to uh, ban charter schools. We need to put limits on private schools. We need to make sure that public money doesn't go to support private schools because it's unfair. When you start polling these things, it drops off significantly. We need to pay our teachers more in order to indoctrinate your kids. We need to pay. We need to fund schools more. We need to fund districts more while they write letters to the federal government saying that you, you parents are terrorists. Nobody's actually supporting those things. Nobody is supporting those particular issues. And the Democrats are lying to themselves basically because they know it's a trick of the poll. It's, they know it's the trick in polling to say, do you favor gun restrictions, get a majority support and say, yes, the American people support this. And leave it at that, not go into the specific measures they want. But that is where the Republicans are starting to succeed. Republicans are getting the message out. Republicans are getting the message out saying, look at what they're trying to do. This isn't about gun restrictions. This is about coming in and taking away your right to own a gun. This is about the government coming in and saying, not only should you not have any input in public schools, but we're going to deem you a terrorist if you show up at a school board meeting and challenge what the school board is doing. You may support the right to an abortion. You may think, yes, it's the woman's choice, but we're going to make it legal up to the point the child fully exits the birth canal. All of a sudden, the Democrats' support falters, and those numbers begin to drop because the Democrats are lying to themselves. They have perceived that because they won the presidency in 2020, they have this mandate to go all out and do what they need to do. When in reality, they have a small handful of seats in the majority in the House. And it's a 50-50 split in the Senate. There's now a $17 million ad buy 
in several states that are leaning Republican, including in Georgia. A huge ad drop against Raphael Warnock today started. And these ad drops are happening in these states where the Republicans can win a Senate seat and take the majority in the Senate back. And they will get the majority in the House. And then it's doomsday. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to take a 23-hour break. We will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 tomorrow. In the meantime, at Joe P. Cunningham on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And check out the podcast version of the show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to take this 23-hour break. We will be back here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL.